Yo 
Hello and good morning, MVCC. We are overjoyed to have you here with us this morning to worship God and listen to the word. Just as a reminder, we are back on campus for Sunday morning service at 10 a.m. So if you would love to join us, go ahead and bring some sunscreen, bring some nice cold water, and we'd love to see you there. But for those of us here online, I want to welcome you. And if it's your first time here, go ahead and text CONNECT to the number on your screen so that you can get involved with our church family. As a church, we want to connect with you and we want to do life and community with you. One of the ways that we do this is by serving. If you're interested in getting involved, go ahead and text SERVE to the number on your screen so you can figure out the ways to get involved on Sunday mornings here on campus. We want to join with what God is doing in the kingdom by partnering with Him. And one of the ways that we can do this is by giving. We want to make this super easy for you. So go ahead on over to our mobile app or our website and give right there. We are currently in our third week of the What's Next series. Let's head on over to Pastor Mike to see what he's got to say. It's great to be with you today. We're in the middle of a series called What's Next. And the reason that I chose that title is with all the turmoil and everything going on right now, um, we're all asking what's next. And uh, my hope is that these studies together in the Word will help us to stay really laser, laser beam focused on what the Lord would have us to do. But I thought it'd be great if we just opened with a word of prayer. So just, if you would, where you are, bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, we just thank you so much. Another opportunity to be in your Word. God, I pray that your Word is powerful in, in all of our lives. God, I pray, Jesus, that you're lifted up. I pray that this message will help encourage someone and challenge us, God, especially as we live in these last days. Our desire, God, is that you would shine through everything that we do. And we just ask a blessing on this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, so today I wanted to um, just uh, start from a quote from uh, the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, 11.4. It says this, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. We'll get to the um, untold story about that as we move on to the message. When I, my wife and I used to live in Hawaii, and I remember there was a, a threat of a hurricane coming. There was a forecast of a hurricane that was coming called Hurricane Iniki. I think it was about 1993 when that happened. And uh, the Hawaiian Islands, the way that they're situated, Oahu was right, about, right smack dab in the middle of the other islands. And so they had predicted and forecasted that this uh, hurricane with over 160 mile an hour winds was going straight, coming straight for Oahu. Well, about 100 miles out, it took a quick turn to the east and went right over to the island of Kauai. Um, the reason that I bring that up is the fear and the terror and the forecast of what might happen um, definitely put a, a cloud or an atmosphere, if you will, over the island of Oahu. I mean, we ran to the grocery store. We packed everything that we possibly could in our uh, shopping carts. We went down and filled up our tanks with gas about forecasting what might happen. Now, here's the thing. As fear began to creep in, and there was a moment that we really allowed fear to overrun that situation, it, it almost felt paralyzing. Like we couldn't move to the next level or, or we couldn't do, maybe make a decision that was in the best interest for that moment because fear was taking over. Right here in Matthew chapter 14, we're going to look at here, um, the disciples, the 12 uh, followers of Christ, I call them the friends of Jesus that he handpicked, were in the middle of a storm and they were terrified. And um, I, I, I just hope 
my hope is that this will be just laser beam focused for us about what the Lord would have us to do when we oftentimes are afraid. Um, distractions by the wind, it's easy to lose our way. And um, I want to shift here and just talk about fear for just a quick moment. Um, fear can be a good thing. Fear um, actually is a God-given gift, I believe, that keeps us from harm. It's a warning sign, if you will, on the dashboard of life. Uh, when we're, our kids are little, um, we remember, um, you know, don't touch that light socket. Don't go near that fire. Don't touch the oven. Um, the healthy state of fear is good. But when fear starts to overrun and overtake us, it can paralyze us from walking with the Lord and really being effective. Fear can be overwhelming and can keep us from walking with Jesus in the way that he really wants us to walk. So um, I think that the most devastating thing about fear is that little phrase, what if? What if I don't pass this class? What if I don't graduate? What if I never get married? What if I don't have retirement? Um, what happens if they break my heart in this dating relationship? Um, what happens if I get involved or, or start attending another church? And what if I get burned like I got burned in the last church? And I believe what happens is the enemy, the devil, starts to creep into that area of fear. And what happens is he starts to cloud our vision and we start to become distracted. And what happens is we become what I call wind watchers. We start to focus on the wind and the storm around us. And all of a sudden we lose perspective. I think that was happening here with the disciples. And of course, Jesus is so awesome. I mean, Jesus is crazy good because he never gives up on us. Jesus always, always is patient. And there's always a second chance with the Lord. And I just, I just love the lessons that we're going to learn out of this together. So if you have your Bibles, um, I hope that you turn to Matthew 14. We're going to start here in verse 22. We're just going to work our way through verse 33. Now, um, to kind of set the stage here, Jesus was in the middle of his ministry with the disciples. And um, John the Baptist, who was the prophet, who was the forerunner of preaching and getting the people ready for Jesus to come to the earth and also to come uh, and start his three-year ministry, was the one who baptized him. John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. They had a close bond. And right here in this chapter, we find out that John the Baptist uh, was killed by King Herod. So Jesus got the news about that. Then he went out immediately to a, 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 what seemed to be a quiet place with the disciples. And there were what commentators believe 15 to 20,000 people that rushed to the presence of Jesus just to hear his word. They were there all day long out on these grassy slopes and they began to get hungry. And Jesus, most of us know the story, Jesus began to feed 15 to 20,000 people. And not only did he feed them as a miracle with five loaves and two fish, but he had the disciples actually 12 basketfuls full of food as they partook in this incredible moment of feeding 15 to 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. It's just an amazing thing. So you put all that together. Jesus had probably a really stressful day. Jesus had what we would call a lot of distractions around him what could have been a lot of distractions, but he never lost his focus. And that's where you pick up here in 22, verse 22 of chapter 14. 
put all that together and now we pick up here and it says immediately Jesus, after all these things, fed the 15 to 20,000. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him on the other side while he dismissed the crowd. I kind of imagine Jesus doing something like this. Guys, get in the boat, get in the boat, get in the boat. Just Peter, John, just no questions, just get in the boat. I'm going to send you off to the other side. I'll meet you on the other side. I'm going to go up on the mountain. I'm going to pray. You guys take the oars and make your way out. And four to five miles into the night, into the middle of that lake, it says later that night, he was there alone. And the, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. The wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. I, I love the fact that, just a couple of things to stop here. I, I, I love the fact that Jesus says, guys, get in the boat. I will meet you on the other side. One of the other gospels says in the same, same case, the same account. Which tells me this, even though they were buffeted by the waves, even though there were waves crashing over the boat, the rain was pelting them in their face, the wind was going against them. In the middle of that storm, the promise that Jesus made, he will always and did always come through with his promises. These guys are probably about four to five miles out on the sea. And what's reminded here, and just if you're taking some notes, the, the truth that I love out of this text is that the presence of the storm does not mean the absence of God's presence. The presence of the storm does not mean the absence of God's presence. I, I think sometimes, and I find myself in scenarios like this, that when I get afraid of a circumstance, of a situation, that I feel like the walls are crowding in on me and I let fear overrun me, my first question is, God, where are you? God never left. God's always there. In fact, verse 25, it says that Jesus walked on the water to them. And if, I, you know, if we read, read that again, I, I just think um, what I'd like to insert there is when they saw Jesus walking on the water, they were at total peace. No, it didn't say that, did it? It says they were terrified. Now, what's interesting to me about this is these are fishermen, most of them. They've been out on the Sea of Galilee probably thousands of times. And they still are afraid. They saw the miracle of 15 to 20,000 people who were fed, and yet they're still afraid. I, I, before I jump to judgment, before I jump to conclusions with these disciples, and before I get prideful and put myself in the boat and say, well, I certainly wouldn't have been afraid because I knew Jesus was going to be there the whole time. Even though he physically wasn't there, he went on the mountainside to pray. There's just no reason for these disciples to be all worked up and afraid and terrified. But I can do the very same thing. Cancer. Bankruptcy. Loss of a child. Loss of a parent the uncertainty of the times, COVID-19. We, we could go down the list. And there are enough distractions where it feels like the wind is against us that if we're not careful, we can let fear 
overrun and overtake our lives. And that's, I think, where the disciples found themselves smack dab in the middle of this moment. Now, the reason I think that they were terrified and thought he was a ghost, legend has it that in that day there was actually these legends and superstitions that said there was a spirit that was living literally under the sea of Galilee. And so um, they thought maybe that this is the ghost that came up from the depths of the water and was walking on the water. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is the closest to them while the wind is howling and the rain is pelting against them and their moment of worst, the worst fear, Jesus is the closest to them. He's right there walking to them on the water. I just, I just love this. And Jesus' response is so awesome. It's so amazing. In verse 27, if you're following along, um, I, I love Jesus' response here. We're in chapter 14, verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them in their terror, Oh man, I've been with you guys for two and a half years. What's the matter with you? You just saw the 15,000 people be fed. You, you, you partook in that miracle and now you don't recognize that it's me. I'm done with you. That's not what he says. I, I love that Jesus takes them to higher ground. He challenges them. He says, guys, take courage. It is I and don't be afraid. Man, that's enough for us to stop right there and just go home. I, I needed those words. Take courage. It is I. And so don't be afraid. I'm just reminded here by the, this little phrase that we see here. It is I. And I think of other places in the scripture where that is mentioned. Way back in Exodus, when Moses was confronted by God the Father in the burning bush, where it was introduced into later that he would bring the Ten Commandments for the nation of Israel. And Moses stands before this burning bush where God is speaking and he literally says to God, first of all, I can't go to Pharaoh and I can't release the Israelites from the Egyptians. That's too big a task. I can't speak well. I don't have what it takes. Who shall I say sent me to this great Pharaoh? And God says, I am who I am. The great I am. That, that is so special. That is so unique. That is such a, a privilege for us to have that, that statement given to us by our God, which really what he's saying is there's no limit to me. There is no limit to what God can do. I am who I am. Really what God is saying is I hold everything in my hands. I'm sovereign. And Moses, I can use you. I will use you. I just need you to cooperate with me and trust me and follow me. I think about also when Jesus, in John chapter 8, when he's with some of the Jewish people and he's with his disciples, and some of the Jewish people, the leaders, were coming against Jesus. They were in opposition to him. And there's a lot of questions, a lot of murmuring, and a lot of accusations flying around about Jesus. And I love what Jesus' response is to the Jewish people. Before Abraham was born, I am. I like the Gospel of John in the first chapter where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him all things were made. Through Him all things were made. Nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of man, all mankind. I, I love that because it sets the record straight right from the beginning. Jesus is the great I Am. Really what He's saying here is, I am God. And because I'm God, I can take care of any storm in this life. 
And even though I may have you go through the storm, I'm going to give you enough faith. I'm going to give you enough courage. I'm going to give you enough boldness to get through this and I will never leave you. I mean, that is so comforting for us who live in this day, in this hour. For the Bible says we live in the last days. We don't know what's going to happen today, tomorrow, the next weeks ahead, even the months ahead. But we do know this. Jesus is the great I am. Now, in this scenario, in this account, I, I, I love the fact that, that Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Tell me to come on the water. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, come. Now, when Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water, what, what I love about this is, you know, I've, I've probably read this many, many times, just like some of you might have listened or listening right now. You've, you've, you've read this. You've seen pictures of it. You've seen it in the Jesus movies. Peter walks on water and it's just an amazing thing. And we imagine ourselves walking on the water to Jesus. You know what I never saw before? This is something that just is unearthed that I love about this. It wasn't just the fact that Peter was walking on the water, as cool as that would be, walking on the water to Jesus. I mean, that would be awesome. But what's more profound to me in this moment is that Peter heard Jesus' word. And therefore, he was walking on his word on the water. The reason Peter got out of the boat is because he heard the words of Jesus. Peter, come. Come to me. I'm thinking about Romans 10, 17, where it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I think sometimes we forget that, that when we're in a situation, we don't need cliches. We don't need uh, nice little phrases. We don't need a plastic Jesus that just, you know, we come up with some flowery statements and feel-good messages. Man, I tell you, what I need in the middle of a storm of life, I need the Word. I definitely need the Word of God. And the Word of God is powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword, the book of Hebrews tells us. So when, when Jesus says to Peter, Peter, come. Peter is really walking on the Word that Jesus spoke. And he happened to be walking on the water. And I, I just so, I, that was exciting to me because I never saw that before. I just want to remind us of this truth. The presence of the storm does not mean the absence of the Lord's presence. He's there. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you've walked through or maybe what is in your future. But God does and he's already walked through it. He will take you by the hand. He will tell you to come. Walk with me. So here's some, here's some action points that, that when I get afraid, not if I get afraid, because I think if we're just honest here at MVCC, our vision is to be real, loving, and simply on Jesus' mission. I think sometimes we fall into this, this mindset that Christians never be afraid, Christians never get uh, caught up in sin, and, and Christians don't struggle with anything. Hey, look, you can't be human without at one point in your life being without fear. What I love about this is when this happens, when I feel afraid, what do I do? I learn here from this text, and I hope this is helpful help for someone out there. Number one, what I'm learning is take him at his word. Take him at his word. 
Second, expect the wind and the storm. I can expect it to be windy. I can expect there to be storms of life. Listen, you can't live two minutes on this earth without knowing that there's going to be some type of, some type of storm, some type of wind that's going to come against you. I love the example even of the other apostle, the apostle Paul, who in his ministry with Jesus, he was shipwrecked. He was blown off course on his way on a mission field that Jesus was directing him to. He, he was literally in this wreckage floating in the water for three days on the island of Malta. He's washed up on shore and he gets bit by a snake. This, this, this mindset that nothing will ever happen to you if you follow Christ, that's bad. You'll never encounter storms. Just, it, it's, it's so unbiblical. And I think we need to come to the realization that Christian and non-Christian, we all have storms of life that we walk through. And so I can just expect the storms of life to come. Number three is this. Don't overthink the Word of God. The more that I try to analyze and think, well, if I do this, then this will happen. If I really follow Christ, if I was to give my heart to Christ, then I got... Stop! Stop all the overthinking. Peter did not, when he was stepping out of the boat, look back at the twelve and say, John, what do you think? <laughs> um... You know, James, what do you think here? I mean, if I step out on the water, what do you guys think? He just, he just obeyed. He just followed Jesus' word, and he didn't overthink it. He just obeyed with a childlike faith. I love it. I love it. <laughs> My wife and I, I mean, when we were dating, we all went to out, out to um, San Clemente Pier with a bunch of uh, just young adults, and we were out there on the pier, and it was, I don't know, maybe about 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and one of the guys wanted to jump off the pier into the ocean. I remember he's standing on the ledge, you know, and we're standing where it's safe. And he's standing and he kept looking back at us and saying, should I go? Should I go? Should I go now? Because, you know, he needed to wait for the, the waves to come in and out. And should I go? Should I go? And we're just like, go, man, go. Peter didn't do that. He just went. He just jumped into the water. Listen, whatever God's calling you to do, you do it. As long as it as long as it parallels and concurs with the Word of God. And this is the last one. Don't take your eyes off of the Word. Jesus is the Word. Don't take your eyes off of the Word. Man, I need that. For these days that we're living in right now, because I believe we are living in the last day of days, I do believe that there are times of persecution that are coming. I, I think that it's going to be much more difficult for the church of Jesus to keep pressing in to what's happening in our world right now. And my encouragement to all of us is that when Peter fell and he realized truly when Jesus got back in the boat with them and the wind died down, their response was truly, this guy is the son of God. We believe in him. We believe he's the son of God. Lastly, I just want to encourage all of us who are followers of Christ. And if you're not a follower of Christ, if you're not a Christian, I, I want you to be a Christian. I want you to give your life to Christ. I mean, all of eternity hinges on the fact that Jesus said it's so simple. You believe in me. I want you to receive me. And I want you to follow me. The story was told in the, um, back, back in the day in the, the late 70s, there was a group of Christians that went to Romania as missionaries. And uh, back in the day, it was against the law to actually be Christian and hold Bible studies in churches. 
Um, the way this account is told is that there were some Christians who were in the basement singing songs to God. And as they opened their Bibles and they started to read the Bible, the soldiers came in, barreled through the doors, and they were immediately told everyone, get down on the ground. And they held their rifles right against the backs and the heads of every single one of these uh, eight or nine believers, followers of Christ. Here's the question they answered. Are you a follower of Christ? Tell us now. And of course, they knew if they were to answer yes, it might mean their very life. Three or four of them said, oh, no, no, no. We were just checking it out. We're not really, really Christians. We're... And they motioned for them to go and they left. A few more looked up at the soldiers down the barrel of the rifle and they said, oh, no, no, no. We were just here. We were just visiting. We're not. And they left. There were three left out of that 11. And they said, the soldiers said, we will give you one more chance. Recount, recant your faith. Tell us you do not believe in this Jesus that you follow. And they said, we will not. We will not recant our faith. We, were, we are followers of him and we love him. The next sound that the Christians heard were the soldiers putting their guns, their rifles on the cold concrete of that basement floor. And the next words that came out of their mouth, the soldiers said, Good, we've been looking for the real Christians. Why would you follow this Jesus, willing to risk and give up your life? As they all sat down and the Christians shared their faith in the midst of fear, they shared their faith. And those soldiers gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Why, why do I mention this? This is life and death. This is, this is about our soul. This is about souls of people out there that we come in contact with every day. And yes, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of anxiety out there, but my encouragement is to do what Peter did. We follow no matter how difficult it is and the storms of life that come against us. This is for you. So what's next? Following Jesus. I hope that you'll be here next week. We're just going to continue to move through the series. We do have services here on Sunday at 10 a.m. I hope that you'll be here. And if you have made a decision for Jesus Christ, you can contact NBCC. We would love to help you in your decision to follow Jesus. We'll see you next time at NBCC.